I am a savage, but I'm not a, I'm a kill you savage. There's times where I see you in a vulnerable position and I can end your career right now. Mm. I'm not about to do that to you, right? <laughs> like for my ego, I never talk trash unless you started talking shit to me. Mm. I think coming into business, however, though, is, is like, let's have fun. Let's joke. Let's do all that stuff. But also, all right, letting you know, don't you fuck with me when it comes to this business shit. Stack my money up like Legos. Legos. What's up, world? It's your boy Brandon Copeland, aka Professor Cope. And as always, you know, you don't see me without my dog, Ross Mack. Yeah. How you sure. living, brother? What it do, Cope, man? I'm all good, bro. How you? How you living? What's the word? Listen, man, we just out here, what? Trying to get a dollar, another dollar, another day, another trying day, to, another dollar, all that good shit. Trying to turn a dollar to fit, I mean, trying to turn 15 cents to a dollar. <laughs> Look, that's how you know we lying. We trying to turn a dollar to 10 milli. That's how you oh, know we, we fucking up the sand. I got a, uh, I got a parlay right now. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, but yeah, man, no, things are good, bro. No complaints at all, man, as always. You know, it's time to talk about money, music, culture, man. It's time to talk about money, music, culture, man. So, Well, let's get it, man. Look, Coke, man, I think we could all agree. You've had quite the career, right? Ten years, did a decade on the field. But it wasn't the, the, the prettiest ten years, right? I think we could say, you know, you've had your, your share of making it onto a roster, Right. You haven't had necessarily the Tom Brady career, but in hindsight, it's still 99 percent of other young athletes who would love to be in your shoes. So, one, what do you think allowed you to see 10 NFL seasons, bro? Mm. Average career, average NFL career, like three years, yeah. three and a half years. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Damn. One. Yeah. One hell of a question. I think that. A, a, a unwavering belief in myself. I know that sounds cliche as hell, but like there were definitely times where that little voice is like, man, I don't know if this is going to work. Right. Like after sitting out over half of a season, uh, them, them, the probabilities tell you it ain't in your favor. Right. But having that little crazy voice that was like, nah, just keep, just keep working. Right. Like just keep working. Like you, you're not working for where you are today or a week from now. You're working for five years from now, ten years from now. And so I think that, that that mindset or those daily deposits of being able, that faith I get of of working, training, eating right, consistently dialing in, even when it looks like, yo, you <laughs> you might as well go ahead and pack up and, 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 and move on to the next career. I think that's what I always literally in, in those moments believe would be the thing that would get me five years plus. And that's, I got to stop you right there because I got I want to get into it because I've always lived by creed. This too shall pass. So whether I'm mm -hmm. having a bad day, whether I didn't got in trouble at work or whatever, it's just like, man, this too shall pass. Right. I won't feel I won't feel the same way. A year from now, a month from now, even next, even the next day, maybe. And so you said something that was interesting. You was like, "Look, bro, you're not living for tomorrow. You're living for five years from now." So, like, you know, talk, tell the people. You know, I think we all got an understanding of your journey. But like, what 
how are you like in my mind, if I just got cut from a team, how am I going to keep that same composure and that drive by saying, all right, bro, you trying to live for B Cope five years from now. Like, what does that really mean to you how, when you hear, yeah. when you say it to yourself? Yeah. So, so I think one, you got to really get comfortable with your mental and talking to yourself, right? Like they talk about, as you know, that it's lonely at the top, right? Like, cause a lot of these training sessions, these journeys, this film session, the rehab session, going to surgery and, and coming out and trying to rehab yourself from torn pecs and stuff like that. Like a lot of those drives are by yourself. A lot of those, those moments are by yourself. And so if you're not able to talk to yourself and tell you, you know, now nah, we, we, we can still do this, right? Then you got, you have no chance. I got, jerseys on my wall from when I tore my pecs. So those are the only season-ending injuries that I've had. I've had knee injuries, but I played with them, things like that. But, like, where I felt it happen on the field, season's over immediately after, right? Like, and on both of those moments, I remember when I did it with the Patriots, and I remember walking off the field. It was right before halftime. We were playing the 49ers. It was during the pandemic season, 2020. And I remember thinking, like, damn, this is this might be it. Like mm. it was year eight, and I'm like, you know, the the opportunities were already bleak in the off season. This might have been the last go round for your boy. And and I remember literally coming to the sideline. I told the trainers what happened. It was my second pec tear, so I knew the feel. And I'm like, I think I just tore my pec. And I remember literally they kind of looking at me like, how you diagnose that shit that quickly? Like what you talking? You know? And it was right before halftime. We had like maybe. 50-some seconds left. So I'm like, I'm going to just stick out here for a little bit. And I remember getting down on my knees and praying, like, <clears> right there on the sideline, like, yo, please, Lord. Like, And, and I remember, I, I guess I've shared that to say, like, I remember the mental switch being flipped of, like, literally walking off the field or, you know, walking off the field like, damn, it's a wrap. Like, and then just being over there on the sideline for a second, like, yo, this might be it. And just kind of like literally I did a scan of the whole stadium because there was nobody in it. And I was just like, yo, this might be my last time in the NFL jersey on the NFL field. Jeez. And I remember just at some point in my mind just stopping. Like literally within it was probably within a minute and a half just stopping like, you get down and pray right now. And if it's his will for us to come back, we coming back. But go ahead, get your mind out of that dark place right now, right? And so – I guess I, I highlight that as an example, like a real live example, a testimony of like, for me, that that voice and that unwavering belief of like, nah, like if you if you want to do it bad enough, you can do it. Uh, that's what's carried me through the moments where that other voice would have been like, they would have been abusing me. They would have been telling me we ain't going to make it back. And so I think that's one thing. And then the second thing and the most important thing of it all is also being able to back that crazy belief up with, yo, let's roll up your sleeves, let's get it done. Because a lot of people have this crazy belief in themselves, but they don't have the work ethic to back it up, right? Oh, I can do this on the field, and I can do this. Or I can do this in business, and I can do... And you're not willing to research, study, prepare, and do what you need to do to actually be prepared for the opportunity. So I always felt like... If I kept a crazy belief in myself and I kept a crazy work ethic, my work ethic was sickening, right? Like there's not, I, I will go ahead and say there's not anybody ever that has worked as hard as me when it comes to football. And I can say that even while balancing jobs and all of that type of stuff, no one, 
you can stamp it with that. It's, it's definitely a, it's a million motherfuckers better than you in football, but it ain't nobody oh, working really harder than you. That's real though. <laughs> it's it's a million better. Ain't nobody working harder than me because again that that's what <laughs> like I'm the guy that was average. Oh, bro. That and and not even like not even average NFL right. Like I'm the guy that was average athletic ability mm-hmm. that it, through work ethic and strategy has kind of built into not kind of has built into a 10 year NFL fucking veteran. Mm-hmm. Right. And it gets, it's crazy for me. Cause I got to even like change my words up. Cause sometimes being in the league, you know, you're always being critiqued. Mm-hmm. And so you make it 10 years and you still critiquing of, Oh, I could do this better. I could do this. Oh, I could do this better. Where when really it's like, I played 10 years in the motherfucking NFL. I'm one of the best to have ever played football in the world, period, right? But mentally, I'm not there mm. because the work ethic that I go into the offseason with is I ain't shit because mm. it's a young dude right now who's trying to take my job and then some and then some and then some. Right. So, like, there's that dichotomy of, like, yo, you ain't shit. Get your ass to work with – a confidence when you walk out on that field of like, yo, I'm one of the best that's ever lived. Good luck trying to stop me today. Bro, that's, I'm not going to lie. That is a, that's a story, right? Like I think, and I obviously can't relate on no football shit, right? Or any sports for that matter, right? I was a motherfucker who didn't make a, 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 a varsity team in high school type <laughs> shit. So my shit a little different, but I think that, you know, there's a commonality when it comes to whether it is being cut from a team or hearing a no, right? Going to a meeting about some music shit and immersing like, yeah, you know, we decided to go in a different manner. Or even someone that, that, you know, prepared for a job interview and they didn't get the job, right? I think at the end of the day, the one thing I would pull from that is not necessarily giving up. But also, because like your story is like, motherfucker write a movie about it in the sense of like, Injuries, coming back after injuries, coming back after being cut. Like, the injuries, I think, is is even a, a more of a mind fuck because you hear people like a, a D. Rose, for one. MVP player, right? One, the youngest MVP yeah. ever. But then he, he gets hurt, and he gets hurt again. And then I think he even got hurt a third time. And then it's like, how do you keep trying to come back to some shit like that, right? Where it's like you got certain people who, like, a Brandon Roy, Grant Hill, or even mm-hmm. uh, Greg Oden, right? A lot of people who didn't really come into their coming. And the idea of preparing after that injury, like, because in football, all it takes is one injury. You could be done for the rest of your life, right? And you see certain people, like Adrian Peterson, who got hurt and came back better than ever. Right, right. So – and. I- and I think yours is interesting because you had two of the same injuries, though. Different arms, but the same injury, pecs. Same as and it, for yeah. one, describe how you even get a pec injury. Yeah, so uh, for me, I tore my pec tendon. So it's the, the tendon that attaches the pec muscle to the bone. So that thing just literally, like, like it overstretched and just split. Mm. Just, like, ripped off of the thing, right? Um, one time was because of uh tackle and my arm got well we did a wrap and roll my arm got kind of stuck with on his body and it just went way too far and just i felt like the other time I, it was already partially torn i believe um 
yeah, I believe it was partially torn already, and I literally, we blocked a field goal. It was on a field goal block, and I just chopped dude's arm. We blocked it right before, chopped dude's arm, and our guy jumped through. Cody Davis jumped through, blocked the kick. Uh, then the next time I came up to do that, and, you know, homie was ready, so he was – he locked in and braced on his arm. I tried to really go Super Saiyan on that joint, and as soon as I went down, that joint just popped. Like, all the force, <laughs> as crazy as it sounds, all the force, just literally on contact type of thing. Um, we didn't block that kick. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think, you know, just getting back to your question or, or the thought, right, like is the, the, the injuries are one of the toughest things for any person to go through just in general, in life in general, like injury sucks. But then, like you said, tying in and thinking about, like, the D. Roses, the Greg Odens, and all that stuff, it's like when you come back from an injury, mentally you're scarred in the sense of, can I do what I used to do before? Like, ah, it's a little sore now when I do that same move that I used to do five months ago, and it was nothing. Now it's a little different. And so you have to – your, your mobility changes, right? Like, your strength changes. And so one of the things I used to always do, anytime I got injured, a major injury like that, I would watch Kobe Bryant's muse. And during Kobe Bryant's muse, he would always talk. And literally, this is since college. In college, I got my first knee injury February, well, it was January 21st, 2013. I had my first surgery February 1st, 2013. Knee, a torn meniscus. I did it while squatting. Uh, University of Pennsylvania, Doc Senate cleaned it up. And I remember the day it happened, I watched Kobe Bryant's muse with a couple of my, my teammates. I remember calling my mom the next day, telling her that it's over. You know, like, damn, like, we tried, but, you know, I, I can't. I can barely walk. Um, and I remember during that, you know, watching how he dealt with the Achilles, how he dealt with the process, how he embraced the process, that was huge for me. And then also coming out of the injury, he changed up his game. Like, he talks about how, like, you know, the things that I used to do as a, a kid in the two, early 2000s, like, I can't do that after a torn Achilles. And so, for me, it was not learning to not look at and fight against the injury, but start to embrace who I am today. Like, I just got to be smarter. I just got to be a more – I got to be Tim Duncan with the basketball. I got to be big fundamentals now as opposed to trying to be – explosive Russell Westbrook, D. Rose type of thing, right? And so there's a, a whole lot of different things that you got to go through um, in any injury just to heal yourself, but then to heal yourself and come back and play at an elite level, you know, that's when you got to get real with yourself. And and you, sometimes you got to adapt your game because, I mean, shit, look, AP did it. I mean, but I don't know, you know, that was – I ain't going to lie, that was, that was a, a crazy year. Because I definitely, as I came out of injuries, I started studying folks who had done it and done it well. I called up other players that I had known that actually had that injury. I asked them, like, I, I guess I put in research. <laughs> it's crazy. I, I went pen on them, right? Like, all right, cool. Like, what did you do? What worked? What didn't work? Guys would give me advice on what to do with the sling. I remember one dude, Quandre Diggs, my boy, he, he, he said, look, Cope, whenever you're around people, keep the sling on. Because he know I'm always going to be out the sling with the peck. He was like, you just want to keep the sling on just so other people don't grab you and touch you. You're going to be on the sideline. You know people going to just, oh, if you ain't got no sling on, they're going to hit you on the shoulder. He was like, that shit could, re that could ruin you. Like, one hit. One person trying to dap you not knowing that you injured. Right? Like, little things wow. like that. So, like, 
certain things, having that time to, to putting in that time and that research helped not only with me speeding up my recovery process, I reached out to Jay Ho, who was on here. Hey, what's some of the best supplements? What's some of the best things I should do to cl should clean my body up? Because I can't do certain things physically that I used to do anymore. I can't run for the next X amount of months because I can't even swing my arm. It'll re-tear. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like little detailed things like that um, definitely helped me bounce back. But I think all, all in all, and that's why you know me, I'm, we, we're so, I'm so big on mental and mindset. I, under, I believe it's all mental, being able to reach out to you, being able to reach out to other people and um, just continue to evolve as a person and a player is how you can come back in year seven, year eight, limited mobility because you're older, your knees, X, Y, Z, but now you're a better player because you you just understand the fundamentals better. You know your lane. You know what I'm saying? You know what you're good at, what you're not good at. It's just continue to evolve as a player um, is what kept me coming around for 10 years. That's a fact. So now, right, fast forward, 10 years are over. Let's talk about some of the lessons and the tenacity that you had during your football career that you will say you apply to your your next life, right? Your business career, your entrepreneurial worlds, right? Like how, what did you learn on and off the field during your playing years that you think is going to make you even better businessman? Yeah. Um, I'm not going to give you, I'm going to avoid any cliche bullshit because this is money, music, culture, and, and we, we only keep it, keep it real here. Um, I will say instead of me saying I, I learned the value of a team, right? I learned how to analyze a team. I learned how to understand who is who in the motherfucking zoo. Who is really going to be there when, you know, it's crunch time, pressure time, we need you. And who's going to make an excuse or who's not going to pull their weight, right? Like, I think that that's extremely important and hopefully it leads to me making less missteps with surrounding myself with the right individuals and the right people to accomplish these crazy goals and these crazy visions we have for ourselves. Because, as you know, every teammate ain't built the same. Everybody's strengths and weaknesses are different. Um, and also everyone's commitment to the game and to the mission is also different as well, too. So the quicker you can understand that and analyze that, the quicker you can understand how to incentivize people and or who to avoid <laughs> when it comes to certain parts of your mission and your dream. The the other thing. There's two two other things that stick out to me um, that I would. You know. I love my career. I think that, you know, there's only a couple of things that I would quote unquote change if I could. And, and I still don't even know if I necessarily change them because I love who I am today. Right. So, so one, I'm not, I am a savage, but I'm not a, I'm a kill you savage. I feel that. And I know that sounds, sounds weird to a certain extent, but it's like, like, there's times where I see you in a vulnerable position and I can end your career right now. Mm. I'm not about to do that to you, right? <laughs> like, that, I see your leg right there. And some players, I'm going to dive into your knee and try to take your kneecap out and make sure the whole team knows. Like, that's not me. Like, this is this is a game, mm -hmm. right? Like, that's your livelihood. Like, I, as Martellus Bennett said, I love football, but I ain't dying over the shit, Thanks. right? Like, and, and, and so I always kept that in mind, like, I I turn up for Sundays, but I'm not going – I'm not trying to end your livelihood hmm. this Sunday. 
um, for my ego, mm -hmm. you know? I got a wife. I got kids. I would hate it if somebody else did that to me. Now, yeah, I, I realized this throughout my career. I never talked trash. I, I did that. Well, I started talking trash. But story for another time. <laughs> I, I never talked trash like high school, I remember. College, I never talked trash unless you started talking shit to me. Like I'm not, I'm I'm one of them dudes. And the reason why I never talk trash is because again, as a D lineman as well too. Like you're in double teams a lot. You're doing things, you know, that I I look. I'm sitting there getting into it. You be doing things, and if I was talking trash to somebody on the previous play, they could come and now ruin my career on something that over over us talking some trash over my ego. I ain't nah. I don't need all that. If you talk trash to me, now you don't you don't. You didn't woke me up. So I think coming into business, however, though, is is like what I'm trying to balance is being the the guy, I, the nice guy, the, the, the fun guy, the let's have fun, let's joke, let's do all that stuff with also, all right, how do I balance that savage mode of letting you know, don't you fuck with me when it comes to this business shit. So I remember the Drake song, the Do Not Disturb. So I remember when this Drake Do Not Disturb song came out on, I believe it's the More Life album. Uh, you know, he talks about went from Club Palazzo in the bridge to Club Live to not even showing up at a club unless we doing biz. I can't even party while a nigga pursuing this. Distractions will do you in in the truest sense. Especially people that want to lecture me and frame it like they just want the best for me or they check for me. Whatever splits it up so there's more for them and there's less for me. Mm -hmm. They don't know they got to be faster than me to get to me. No one's done it successfully, Shit. right? Like, so so many things in that. Bars, that, though. Rugby spin. Bars, bro. That's what I'm trying to tap into on the business side is that savage side of like, all right, like, if you try. Because there's been people that have tried. As you know, we've talked about it on the show. There's been people that have tried. And I haven't outed you because my heart is just, I'm not trying to be the reason why your family can't eat. But at a certain point in time, there was a reason why back in the day, in the war days, and we get in the football mode, you get me tapping in, a little, getting a little violent here. There's a reason why back in the war days, they used to, you know, you uh, new people, you come up on the people's territory, and they see, like, you see the heads of the people that had tried to do the village or the family wrong, right? Like, I just want you to know, we will take it that, that place if we need to, right? And so, it's for me, it's trying to figure out how do I balance that savage mode with that you know, that the guy that I am of, you know, uh, having fun while doing amazing business. Uh, and then finally, and this is a short one, is, is just confidence, bro. It's, it's just, you know, if I could tap into being confident in my abilities earlier, one, I probably would have got paid more. Um, but I think it's more of, it's more of a, as crazy as it sounds, I don't know if I t told you this on this podcast, it's a selfishness. Uh, when I was in Baltimore my rookie year, one of the, our special teams coach, Jerry Rosberg, uh, one of the best special teams coach to have ever done it. He retired a while ago. But Baltimore was always consistently top five special teams uh, unit while he was there. And, and one of the things he said was, like, football is one of the sports where you can be – you being selfish actually helps the team. The better you are helps this team. And, and I remember – you know, uh, I played multiple positions during my career, why I lasted for as long as I did. And I remember saying to one of my buddies, uh, I said, leaving the room, uh, leaving the team meeting room, I said, you know, hey, the more you can do. And that's one of these mantras that goes around the NFL. The more you can do, the more you can do, the more likely you be on the team. If I got this one player, 
that can do three, four different things. When it comes, and I got another player that kind of equally talented, but this other player can only do one or two. That, that's going to weigh into that that cut decision. And one of the things I said, you know, the more you can do, and he said, the less you get paid. And I said, oh shit, oh shit. Like the more you can do, you're just reserved in this utility guy status, as opposed to being, you know, I'm a designated pass rusher. Don't don't call me for anything else. Coach, you need me. Coach, coach, we need you on special team. Find somebody else. <laughs> Find somebody else. Now, was I ever at a point in my career, maybe a couple years I was at a point in my career where I could have legitimately been like, nah, go, nah, coach, I'm not doing it, which I've seen multiple players do, right? Multiple players like, Coach, you, you shitting me. You think I'm getting out there. You better find somebody else for punt. Mm. Uh, I played against a guy who a designated pass rusher who was on punt. I was on punt return. We ran a touchdown back on this play, and this dude literally damn near started jogging on the on the field. Like, told, like we were literally talking up the field. He like, don't don't want to be out there mm. type of thing, right? Like, and they took him off there, but he, he got paid pass rushing. Wow. You know, he made his point. So, again, I think it's – it's me. I couldn't do that. That's just not me mm-hmm. in the sport. That's not my heart. And I, I'm glad that I I, I I did it my way. But I'm saying there's times where being selfish can be your biggest advocate. Um, and it probably would have paid off differently for my family and I. So I guess those are the, the lessons I would say. Okay. And so now as we get ready to wrap this up, right, I got a question. Yeah. Right, we talk about how you persevered over the years through being cut, through being injured. Then we talked about you know, well, actually, I want to go, I want to zero in on that because now, and I had a conversation the other day and we was talking about nepotism. And I think that, you know, when it comes to being parents, I want nothing but the best for my kids. I don't care if somebody said, oh, you only did that because your daddy, like, nah, cat, they mad because they daddy didn't do it. And so now I ask this question, what are some of the secrets that you look forward to passing on to your son as I'm sure he's going to end up playing, you know, football or something similar. Yeah, man. I think the the mindset um, is going to be huge, right? One of the things I always remember with my granddad, who, as you know, he played 11 years in the league, and he never – I didn't – you know, you don't think about these things until one, sadly, sometimes until some folks are gone yeah. and out of your life. But I, I – I, Checked myself the other day because my nephew started playing basketball, and he's nine, and and you know I'm seeing a little bit of the film that his mom took, and I'm automatically like, oh yo, you got to sprint here, you got to sprint, and it's his first time doing it organized, and I had to take a step back and I'm like, yo, my granddad never did that to me, mm. like, let me make sure that if I'm going to hit him with coach, uncle, coach, you know whatever this is because I just want what's best for him, that that's something that he wants and he's willing to accept. You, you know what I'm saying? Uh, like, I don't necessarily want to be the guy where, you know, I mean, shoot, we don't want it for our children where they, like, they almost afraid to show us something because they know mm-hmm. we're going to go in the critique mode of how you can get better, which that's is naturally my mindset, but it's not necessarily what a kid should have to endure. So I do want to make sure that, you know, my the way my mind is super analytical because that's what's helped me get here. I don't put that on to my children. I tell Tatis, you know, I tried to, I'm so glad that we got the type of ending to a, a, a career um, that we wanted. 
in, in the sense of like being able to go back to the hometown team and all that stuff because you know I remember shoot you remember we had a conversation this summer and oh this is funny we had a conversation this summer in LA and we sat down with somebody who's been on the show before and one of the things he joked about and and rightfully so he said he was like Kobe you try to go back what you try what you trying to get closer none of us get closer mm-hmm. bro like you got to move on you know which is I remember this convo too. Yeah, and 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 the craziest thing in the world, like as crazy, I got closure. Like, wow, I went back to my hometown team. I got a sack. Uh, My kids got to watch me play. Wifey, my kid, Thursday night football. We got to wear the all blacks, the color rushes, the white. Like, I literally got to do it all. I got the jersey. My son runs around in the basement rocking my Ravens jersey. Right, like. Wow. That I actually played in, you know, so like as crazy as it sounds, it's like I really, really had to sit back and thank God and, and, and also just be like, yo, like literally anything I want, I can get the way that Diddy says, like anything I want, we can really get because that that is crazy. Most people you go to a different team, maybe. But to get that exact team the way you and I have talked about offline yeah. multiple times, like. It's it's like you said it's it's a storybook. So I didn't want to a long-winded way of me saying I don't want to ever detract from my son's and my family's potential love for the game because I was scarred by it. So like before having that experience, we weren't really watching football in the crib because I'm like I'm hating. Like I'm looking at mm. man, I'm better than this dude. Man, I don't want to watch this. Like I'm getting sick. Now wow. it's taken away from their love from it. So that's awesome, I, I know bro. it wasn't really. You like, have no animosity. No animosity. Now that's it's crazy. like I'm still a competitor. Still think I see things where I can do it a little bit. But but again, that's just like I'm also like nah. Like I'm good. Like I'm really actually good. Like there's no hate in my heart or like man, they need to call me. Call they need to call me or I'm gonna send the, them a text or something like that. Like. Nah, like I'm I'm actually really good and and for me I tell Tay that all the time like I'm grateful for that because if not I would have affected Bryson and Braylon's outlook on the game. And so I know that that's you, you asked something hell. a little different but I just want to make sure that you know whether they play football, basketball, soccer, whatever it is, right? Like I just want to make sure that they genuinely love it. Like they genuinely have fun cuz for me it gave me so many dope memories. It gave me some trials and tribulations as well too but again anything you're doing you ended it on the high note bro anything you're doing gonna have trials and tribulations ain't ain't too many things in this world just gonna come free of cost right anything special so um so yeah that that'd be what i want my my kids to take and hopefully i'm i ain't you know you know coach dad as opposed to like, yo, this is dad. Like, he going to give me game when he needs to, but he's also going to let me just be a kid and enjoy it and have fun. That's awesome, man. I think what we can, you know, gather from that is the fact that you were effectively able to have, you know, an, a fairy tale ending. Your outlook on the sport is so pure now that you can still enjoy the game. And that's awesome. I'm going to be honest. I never had a fairy tale ending with my sports stuff. It was always, man, I wish I would have went to this school or I wish I would have mm-hmm. did this amount of AAU because I was better than what I got to. So that's very interesting you said that. And I ain't going to lie, I'm definitely going to be LeVar Ball 
I'm I'm finna be that dad. Hey, hey, I'm on the side. I'm talking crazy. I'm putting into it. So that's interesting. That's your outlook. I ain't I'm not capping at all. My shorty, he gonna be a dog. And I'm in him. He gonna be five years old in the layup line. How you missed that layup, boy? Come. The coach gonna be, hey, bro, I'm coaching. What you doing? So that's all awesome. right, right. Yeah, I ain't got hey. that. <laughs> hey, it's all good, man. But you the good thing about you, you your your career is it has no ending, man. Like mm-hmm. that's the the one thing that the toughest thing. You know, as they talk about athletes, we want to be entertainers. We want to be y'all. You know what I'm saying? And, and everybody says entertainers want to be athletes. Athletes want to be entertainers, right? Like, and again, we look at y'all, and it's like you you can you can turn on the game and hear your song playing. You can turn on the radio and hear your song playing, right? Like for me. Five, ten, whatever, you know, years from now, that ain't the case, right? Like, I, I was telling Bryson, oh, we might have to put in, what, what game we got to put in? We're going to have to dust off the old man if you want to see daddy on the joint. You know what I'm saying? Still cool, don't get me wrong, but it's like, it's, there's no, like, you guys, that's the thing. You guys get to continue to evolve and grow and get better. And as you get better, you can, you can live that out. Like me, I'm like, oh, I'm just mentally, I'm just getting, like, to the point where football, like, it's it's getting it's scary, and I'm really on the way. I'm out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I think that that's the, the one of the things that I don't want to say makes us jealous of y'all. It's like that's the cool thing about what you get to do is, like, you get to keep that wisdom, bottle it up, and now keep pouring it into your passions. Me, yeah. I got to, like, play Madden and stuff. No, nah, that's a fact. I like that. I like that a lot, man. This was a this was a therapeutic episode. I love it, man. I learned a lot from you. And oh, uh, your outlook is pure, which is epic. Hey, man. Listen, I appreciate you, man. Appreciate the questions as always, brother. And so I'm going I'm to I'm take us out on this one, man, because as you know, it's your, it's your boy Brandon Copeland, a.k.a. Professor Cope, with my dog, Ross Mack. As you know, Black Wealth Matters, CEO of Maconomics. You already know how we do. Listen, make sure you like, make sure you subscribe, make sure you tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend. Money Music Culture is where they need to be, where they need to tap in to just get better with their money, with their mind, with life. Money Music Culture, let's do it. We'll see you next week.